Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's been said many times that Florida's defense can't be any worse in 2021. That's probably true, but there might be reasons why a big rebound may not happen. It's coming up next here on Gators Breakdown. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me for this episode is co-host Will Miles, and you can find him at his site, readandreaction.com, and on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. Will, we've hit about mid-July. Uh, summer's going by pretty fast, uh, a lot faster than I want it to. Uh, SEC Media Days is next week. Um, not much longer, but uh, we'll, we'll get some uh, we'll get some headlines uh, hopefully next week. I don't, I don't know what to expect from SEC Media Days. Florida still has not announced uh, two players. Only two players this year is what the SEC uh, told us earlier this week. So it'll be Dan Mullen and two co- uh, two players. We don't know what two players yet will, but uh, get a little bit of taste of uh, of. Uh, Oh, oh, never mind. I won't say we'll get a taste of football. It, it like Spurrier said, it's it, it's basically the kickoff of talking season. Yeah, but I mean, it'll at least be like something new, right? Like you, yeah. you think about you think about the Oklahoma game, and then and then signing day, and then sort of an early spring practice. And it's been a little bit of a dead period here for Florida. We haven't had a ton of commits over the span, other than when you were on vacation. We haven't had all that many commits, <laughs> and and then you factor in the fact that there's been zero offseason noise. Right. There hasn't there hasn't been anybody pulled over with an assault rifle in the back of their car. We haven't heard any stories of people getting attacked by frying pans. There hasn't been any of that stuff. And usually there's like one a week. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there hadn't been any of that crazy stuff that normally goes on during the offseason. Now, you know, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and my toes because yeah. everybody's going to blame me when this happens in the next two <laughs> weeks where there's all sorts of crazy stuff that goes on. But not, it'll be good to hear from some of the players to understand what their mindset is coming off of that Oklahoma loss last year, coming off of all the guys that they've lost. Right. It's a new set of leaders that are going to need to step up on this team. And it'll be interesting to see 
who goes to SEC media days and what they have to say about, you know, some of the negativity around the defensive coordinator, which I'm sure we'll talk about tonight, as well as just sort of ending on three straight losses and the taste that left in their mouth. So I'm curious to see what what the players are going to have to say and what Mullen's going to have to say when he gets up there uh, at, at SEC media days. Yeah, I'm sure defense will be a hot topic in trying to rebound. That's what we'll get into here on this episode. And yeah, I mean, I'll be making the track to Birmingham Sunday. So Gators Breakdown next week will be SEC Media Day heavy. Uh, probably starting on Monday and probably enough content to last all week. So uh, expect a lot of content coming your way uh, for, from Gators Breakdown from SEC Media Days on definitely on Monday. Uh, we'll be there part of Tuesday as well, and then we'll, uh, we'll make the track back to Jacksonville. So uh, be it will be a busy time, Will, uh, and uh, I can't, can't wait to get into it. It is kind of the kickoff of uh, trying to get into the mode uh, for football. And you know, Florida should be starting fall camp, I would imagine, first week of August. Uh, so not too far. Your Friday Night Lights is coming up. I would assume camp. We haven't got any dates yet uh, there from Florida, but I would assume first week of August, Gators will be starting camp. So uh, – not too much longer, not too much longer before we have actual football. And I'm, I'm hoping there'll be some open practices at, at least this year. Uh, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we're coming up. Uh, September is my favorite month of the year, right? I mean, especially up here because I don't know why you want the you want the summer to last. Like, it, it's oppressively hot down there. By the time September and October come around, it's starting to get a little bit nice where you are. Where I am, it's it's the symbol that it's about to get cold, which, you know, you got to sort of deal with that up here. But, uh, you know, September's always my favorite month. Got college football going on. You've got the leaves changing up here where I'm at. And and those leaves changing sort of indicate that it's, it's you know, the passage of time and the families coming together and the, and the tailgates and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I love summer and I enjoy going to the beach as much as anybody, but at the end of the day, I'd rather be at a tailgate than, than at the, uh, than at the beach. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here going, it can't come fast enough as opposed to sitting there saying, eh, give me a couple more weeks of summer, but yeah. <laughs> I want both at the same time. There we go. I'll, I'll put it away. <laughs> so uh, we, we we really just need to retire is what you're telling me. There you go. Yeah, to exactly. That's exactly what needs to happen. <laughs> but all right, everybody. Um, help us out there. Show, show that you're listening to Gators Breakdown. Take some photos. Take some pictures. Screenshot it. Whatever. Share that you're listening to Gators Breakdown. Be sure to retweet it. Share it out there on social media. If you're listening or watching the YouTube version, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. A lot of you watching live right now, thank you very much uh, for doing that. And uh, if you haven't done so yet, Gators Breakdown Plus, starting at $3 a month, you can really help us out here. Um, Custom episodes, you guys have been doing, you know, I've been doing the thoughts of the day lately, extending those episodes for Gators Breakdown Plus. Remember, there's a lot of good content there, starting at $3 a month, going up to $10 a month. And uh, starting to get in the chat room, it was a big talk on quarterbacks today, uh, the quarterback depth there in the in the chat rooms. So that was a big topic of today. They're actually talking about a little bit of defense right before this episode went live. So go join that chat room as well. That comes with Gators Breakdown Plus. That thing is really on fire there. So, all right, Will. going to have to say, you, you broke my heart a little bit, Will. I've been uh, hoping this defense uh, was, is going to take a – a big turn from 2020 to 2021. And look, we, we've talked enough about it. We expect some improvement and, you know, going into Todd Grantham's last year of his contract, we'll see what comes out of that. Uh, but, you know, it's been a foregone conclusion that the defense will be better in 2021 because it can't be any worse. Then, Will, you, you go and burst my bubble a little bit. You send me some numbers and says, you know, well, first of all, he's like, I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was like, you're not really going to believe some of the, the gist of it. You're not going to believe some of the numbers I've found. And I'm like, oh, no, Will's done it again. 
Will's done it again. He, he's went and found some key statistics there uh, that really speak uh, there and really translate. You know, sometimes you can you can spin numbers and all that, but there, there, there's not much spinning for this one, Will, uh, when you look at it. And uh, he sent some numbers, and, and it got me worried for that type of rebound uh, that uh, I hope, and I still think it, it will happen in some way, some form there, but it gives me some reservation of how good this defense can be. When you look at the overall numbers in 2018 and 2019, they look good on the surface. But, Will, you, you showed those may have been a little bit of mirage, especially going back to 2018. Yeah, I mean, so leave it to me to be the wet blanket of Gator Nation out here <laughs> when everybody's getting excited for, for me to sort of throw throw water on everybody's fire here as they're getting fired up for the season. But you know, it, it all sort of originated from – I wrote an article two weeks ago that looked at explosive plays on offense. And, you know, we've talked about Keon Zipper and Trent Whittemore and sort of those are the guys that we probably are going to expect some of those explosive plays coming from. And so I looked and just for, for, a different, uh, for a different freelance article I was writing for Gator Country. It's like, well, what's happened on the defensive side of the ball? And in 2020, Florida gave up 10.7% of its total plays, wound up being explosive plays allowed, which isn't great, right? I mean, that's pretty bad. Um, you look at 2019, it was 10 10.05 so better and then i looked at 2018 it was 11.64 and so it was almost a full percentage more in 2018 as it was 2020 and i was like well that's weird i remember 2018 being a, a time where the defense took a step forward from 2017 todd, todd grantham was sort of getting his feet wet yeah we struggled against georgia but you know for the most part that mississippi state game really shut things down and then i said all right well let's look at the key stat i usually look at which is yards per play and in 2020, they gave up 5.69 yards per play. Okay, that's that's bad. <laughs> and then I looked at 2018 in SEC play, and they gave up 5.72 yards per play allowed. And that, to me, is the key distinction, is last year we never got a break. We never got Charleston Southern. We never got Colorado State. We never got Idaho. We never got Florida State when Florida State was going 3-8, and eight, right? What we got was an SEC schedule the whole way across the board and so the defense never got a break and the defense struggled. But I think what you sort of take from the overall look at the SEC numbers back in 2018, the defense wasn't any better against SEC opponents. And that's a little bit disturbing when you think about that. What that really means is that defense we saw last year is the defense we saw in 2018. It's just we didn't notice because there were four teams on the schedule who were pretty bad in 2018 on the offensive side of the ball, as well as Mississippi State, who also turned out to be a lot worse on offense that year under Joe Moorhead than we had sort of expected them to be with Nick Fitzgerald coming back. And you combine all of that, and it's like, okay, well, you know, did Grantham really do anything? Does that mean Grantham's had two out of three years now have been bad? And, and that's a disturbing thing when you think about a team that couldn't line up last year, even with all the experience. And it's a disturbing thing when you think about the fact that there's now going to be a ton of turnover and a lot of youth on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I mean, there was, I think it was Bill Connolly had something that came out earlier this week or maybe early, late last week where he was looking at the experience, the percent of production coming back for each team. And Florida was like 124th out of 127 teams or something like that in terms of total production coming back. So it's not just Tony, Pitts, Trask, and and the offensive guys who are, who are leaving. There's a bunch of guys on the defense who've left too. Now, some fans may say good riddance, right, that those guys who are leaving are guys that you sort of – expect or at least last year were not necessarily guys who stepped up but you still have to have somebody to step in and and you know I look at 2018 I look at 2020 and it was kind of the same cast of characters 
and you kind of got the same results. So it worries me a little bit. Obviously, you have the 2019 in between where the team was a little bit better, 5.1 yards per play that year, but still not great. And so the team has performed better on in terms of a points per game total than maybe you would expect based on the yardage that they've allowed. And last year, they, that kind of caught up to them. And the hope is, is that that won't catch up to him again this year. Now, I, I do think the defense is going to be better because we got the cupcakes back on the schedule, right? So it's not going to feel as dire, right? You're still going to see a game where, you know, against USF, that should be a game that the defense is able to dominate or that the defense is at least able to look competent in. So we're going to have those sort of competent defensive performances interspersed amongst the different performances against different SEC teams. But if they're as bad against the SEC teams as they were in 2018 or 2020, um, it's going to be tough taking on Georgia, LSU, Alabama, and some of the big boys in the SEC. Right. I mean, you're quoting an article. You know, the article, you know, it was titled, Will Florida's Defensive Futility Continue in 2021? Will released it uh, yesterday on Monday. Uh, And and look, it it caught uh, a lot of attention, which I knew it would when we had those (laughs) behind the scenes conversations. I was like, oh, man, that's just something I I didn't think of. Or and just basically because of the overall defensive numbers, it's just not going to that route and looking at it. I know some people have kind of said that and put that out there before, but I'm not sure detailing it number wise uh, in in that fashion of what we saw in your article, Will. And, uh, you know, it's just the Florida's defense quote, you know, you said Florida's defense was just as porous in 2018 as it was in 2020. And that's a scary thought. You know, 2020 is fresh on our mind and we look at the the games played and then look, I think there are circumstances when you look at that, I think offenses have gotten better in, in just those short couple years in, in, in the SEC. I think the game has changed a little bit. I think offenses have gotten better. Florida played a lot of good offenses uh, in, in 2020. You know, Ole Miss, um, LSU had a good offense last year as well. Alabama, all legit passing attacks there uh, in the SEC. Texas A&M, Arkansas, Georgia, average to good offenses there. I think you know, Florida's probably played a lot better offenses in 2020 than they did in 2018. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. You know, Florida, with the way they recruit, and you're Florida, you're supposed to have a defense that can match up with those teams. Uh, but you can see why there, there were more bad games, I think, uh, as I think the offenses were better than the defenses in the SEC in 2020 c- compared to 2018. And, you know, 2018, I think you go back and look at it, probably the, the worrisome there, Will, is – the Florida, how many good offenses did Florida play in 2018? Kentucky, LSU, I mean, those are good offenses. Georgia had a pretty potent offense in 2018. But Missouri and South Carolina weren't great offenses and scored 38 on Todd Grantham, 31 on Todd Grantham, right after Georgia scored 36. There was three games in a row. Florida's defense gave up over 30 points in 2018. They settled down the rest of the season when they got out of SEC play. <laughs> and, you know, those were the last three SEC games of the season, and they all scored over 30 points. With, you know, versus with, with two of those offenses, you know, South Carolina scored 48 versus Ole Miss that year, 37 versus Mizzou, 37 versus Vandy. Their next highest scoring SEC opponent was Florida with 31 points. South Carolina averaged you know, 29 points a game. So they scored over their average on Todd Grantham in 2018. Missouri's highest versus the SEC that year was 50 versus Tennessee. Their second highest versus SEC opponents was Florida, tied with Arkansas. But give, Missouri scored 38 points on Florida. That was their second highest total versus the SEC opponents all year. So I think, Will, you, you uh, I, we didn't think about it. I think when we go back and look at it, then we get, it's like, all right, we want that defense to return to a 2018 form. We want that defense to return to a 2019 form. It may not be any better when you line up versus 
LSU and Georgia and Alabama this year, if they put up the same numbers they put up in 2018 and 2019 versus SEC teams, it's still not, it still might not be enough. Yeah. I mean, so if you think back to 2018 and, and I think we all think Mullen did a really nice job taking that team to 10 and three, beating Michigan in the peach bowl, really dominating Michigan, in the peach bowl, dominating Florida state. That was clearly a step forward for the program, beating LSU at home, sort of feeling like the swamp was back at that point. But you mentioned, you know, 27 to Vanderbilt, 36 to Georgia, 38 to Missouri, 31 to South Carolina. I would even take a step back further and say that, you know, very early in the third quarter against Mississippi State, with Mississippi State up six to three, Nick Fitzgerald hit a wide receiver on a bomb right down the middle, and it just bounced off his helmet. And it should have been 13 to three, Mississippi State. And that the complexion of that game changes completely if that pass is completed. The defense didn't do anything there. I mean, it was a perfect throw from Fitzgerald, just bounced right off the receiver. And then Florida then took advantage and went right down the field, and Kadarius Tony completes a 20 yard touchdown pass. Florida goes ahead, and then that's that's sort of the, the the way that game ends. You look at that South Carolina game, the play where on third down and eight, the snap goes over Felipe Frank's head. It happens to bounce right back to him. He picks up the ball, throws it to Trevon, or throws it to somebody else. It bounces up in the air. Trevon Grimes catches it. It sort of falls forward for a first down. And that sort of ignites the comeback when Florida was behind by, I think, 17 points or maybe even 21 points at that point. And what happens? So, what's the perception of that first year if that Mississippi State game goes the other way and if that South Carolina game goes the other way? I think it's a very different perception of both the program and the the coaching staff and then and part of that is is one score games they went three and zero in that first year and I think it was important that they go three and zero they were able to pull those out we've talked about how in the fourth quarter Florida in eighteen and nineteen really was able to sort of take control of games whereas last year they weren't and part of that was they went zero and three in one score games last year and so the luck sort of ran out and you know you're usually going to go if you if you play six games you're going to go three and three it just so happens that in eighteen and in eighteen they won all three of them and in twenty they lost all three of them but uh, you know there really isn't a whole lot of a difference between those two teams at least on the defensive side of the ball now I think last year's team was better I think the reason they were better is because the offense was so much better. I think at the end of the day, when you really sort of just narrow it down to those SEC games, that that's really where you start to see the flaws, and you see, and that's why you end up with a game like LSU from last year, right? It, if if Florida's defense is able to step up against LSU, then it doesn't matter that the offense sputters a little bit, but they just weren't able to do that sort of thing. And I think you sort of saw the same thing in, in 2018 where the offense really didn't wasn't able to come out and establish anything against Kentucky, and Kentucky just took it to them, and the defense couldn't really do anything. And even in the Vanderbilt game, they fell behind in that one. South Carolina game, they fell well, way behind in that one. It wasn't until they played a Florida State team that had basically nothing and then a Michigan team that you know really wasn't interested in being there. I think you could say that was sort of the same type of performance as Florida had against Oklahoma that that it looked like things started to get a little bit supercharged. So, I mean, you know, again, none of this is a criticism of that 2018 team. I think it was actually a excellent result for that team that they were able to paper over some of those holes. The problem is, is that you basically had the same players playing last year in 2020 and uh, minus a couple of pass rushers. And at the end of the day, 
the defense just wasn't very, just wasn't any better, right? Those guys didn't get any better. And so you look at it and say, okay, the guys, you know, Donovan Steiner played a major role for Florida's defense at safety his his sophomore year back in 2018. Did he improve from 2018 to 2020? Marco Wilson played a major role in, I guess it was more 2017 because in 2018 he got hurt. But now you look in 2020, did he get any better? Sean Davis spent an awful lot of time on the field there in 2018. 2020 was he any better and the answer really is no right the defense didn't get any better and when you look at the statistics the defense didn't get any better even though it was the same guys on the field and yeah you can say okay Kyrie Campbell was gone for a couple of games you could say Adam Schuler, you know did wasn't there on the defensive line and to Daryl Slayton wasn't able to step up um, you can say that you know we didn't have Ja'Kai Polite rushing off the edge all those things are true but at the same time you know, if if the only reason the defense was any good in 2019 is because Jonathan Grenard happened to just be a beast back there or, you know, on the defensive line, well, that means you got to have that guy this year if your defense is going to be any better. And again, I think the rip on Grantham has always been that in the big games, he doesn't get pressure. And when he doesn't get pressure, his defenses get torn apart. And when you strip out the cupcakes, and all of the and the yards against for the against SEC opponents is essentially equivalent from 18 to 20. I, I think what that sort of tells you is exactly that, right? It tells you that as you start playing higher level opponents and the offensive lines start to be able to block you, that you're able to then that defense that offenses are able to take advantage of Grantham, his scheme, and his ability to coach up the players. Yeah, and you can go back to 2018 and, and give some excuse for maybe a, a lack of a, a high-level play. You know, just a brand-new system. You're coming in year one. You're trying to implement your system. Okay, but then, as you said, when you compare 2020 to 2018 and look at some of the numbers, even 2019, you know, when we go back and uh, look at everything, you know, from 2019 to 2020, it was, you know, I wanted to see improvement in situational football, and, you know, we didn't get anything uh, like that. But uh, – in you know, 2018 to 2020, it's uh, when a lot of those same factors uh, are, are are showing up in SEC play. Um, you know, we need uh, we we need something different to, in 2021, and, and hopefully we get that. And Will, I mean, you said it. Quote, you know, as I have illustrated, it, it doesn't appear 2020 is the outlier. Rather, it appears that the performance in 2019 was the outlier because that was the better uh, season uh, there under this defense for for, for Todd Grantham. Now, look, I, I think there are plenty of reasons, um, you know, we, that we can point to. Um, for what 2020 uh, brought us, and maybe some reasons for, you know, optimism in, in 2021. We're looking at the defense. You know, I don't, I don't want to harp. I don't want to harp on it. I don't think, and I'll get to it. I don't think it's the full excuse. But it, you know, COVID could it have been an excuse? Yes, I know every team dealt with it. I, I'm not sure Florida handled it the right way. That's the way. That's the best way I can explain it. Yes, it affected everybody. I think it affected everybody to different degrees. Some teams handled it better than other teams and if you want to you know if you want to criticize that part of it go right ahead I'll I'll agree with you there uh but is it full excuse no I, I guess you know it has to be uh that in, in a way that might have to be a hope will that it did have some effect and you kind of progress from that that you can move past that in, in 2021 I think looking back at it I hope I hope that was an excuse because it leads me to believe okay Maybe it wasn't so much coaching. Maybe it was everything that went around it, and this team can grow from it. Uh, you know, I, 
I went from thinking the 2020 defense could be special because of the, the recruited talent and supposed athleticism that the, the, these guys had. I thought some of the younger players would show up, but we didn't get that. I went from thinking, you know, kind of going back to it, that it was just situational football that the that Florida defense under Grantham needed to approve on before the realization hit that the defense would take a cliff dive uh, in 2020. It's hard to be that bad. Uh, but I do think uh, a combo of, of a harder schedule, mishandling COVID, team lacking physicality because of that. You know, maybe maybe the 2020 defense was ready to step up. Maybe they were ready to be what I thought they could be, but it was handled the wrong way. I think it's a little part of it. I, I still can't get over the miscommunication issues, lack of adjustments throughout the year. That To me, that's where the coaching probably comes into play a little bit more for me because the lack of adjustments throughout the season. And almost – Will, the lack of adjustments through Todd Grantham's career, I'm not sure his defensive scheme and system is set up for today's college football's offenses. I think 2021 is going to show me that. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it's not. I think 2021 is going to tell me if Todd Grantham can go through the adjustments, him and Dan Mullen can sit down and have a heart-to-heart. You know, Hopefully they all saw the issues last season, make the necessary changes, because there need to be fixes. You can't just sit here and say, my system works. We're going to do it all over again, 2020. Just erase it. We're going to do everything that we've done before. No, think, things, have to, things have to change. There's staff changes. We, we've gotten those. Uh, maybe that helps there. There's talent. But what adjustments can Todd Grantham make to the defense itself? He's going to have to adjust. He's going to have to change some things. He cannot be Todd Grantham that we've known. I think 2020 showed us that. I think that defense was horrid, ugly, and I think it had the realization had to come that things had to change. Is he going to be stuck in his ways? His defense has got – you pointed to it, Will. His defense has gotten abused by good quarterbacks, these wide-open style of up-tempo offenses. It just hasn't set well with Todd Grantham's defense. He has to change something looking at all these stats that you've shown, uh, you know, on the surface 2018 and 2019 – weren't 2020 they look better on the surface but where it counts in sec play is where the difference has got to come and show that those you know years uh weren't a mirage that you know we can take something from those overall defensive numbers and apply it to 2021 but things are going to have to change on multiple levels for the 2021 2021 defense will and, and to be a strength and to rebound you're on mute will <laughs> did it again i i don't know man i does a tiger change his stripes? Like people keep asking me what's wrong with Florida's recruiting. And I keep saying we have an administration that seems to be able to recruit to the, you know, somewhere between eighth and 12th. And that's what we're going to get. And to expect anything more at this point is setting yourself up for disappointment, but to expect anything less is sort of setting yourself up, I guess, to be happy. But at the end of the day, you know exactly where the recruiting class is going to end up. And maybe they get an extra five-star and it gets bumped up to like seventh. And maybe they don't get that extra five-star and it drops down to 13th. But that's basically where they're going to be. I think if you look back at Todd Grantham's history at Georgia, at Louisville, at Mississippi State, and now at Florida, it, I, I did something a while back, I think back in uh, back in January after the season, where I basically looked at points per game, yards per play, yards per rush, yards per attempt, passer rating, turnovers, and it was all pre-Grantham pre and then during Grantham's tenure at each of the programs he's been at. And it's basically the exact same as anybody, any other defensive coordinator that you bring in there, right? And so – is he going to be able to change? Does he have the capability of changing? I mean, one of the things that made Steve Spurrier so great is that he sort of had some intuition about what to call at the right time. 
and he knew what the defense was trying to do, and then he was able to exploit it. I think Dan Mullen has a lot of that on the offensive side of the ball as well. doesn't feel like Grantham has that feel, right? And it certainly didn't feel like last year that he did a real good job of teaching the players what to do, particularly you look at that LSU game and the double blitz that even you know my wife looked at and said, that seems like a poor design in terms of what the defense should be doing. Now, obviously, I don't think that that's, that's the uh, – I don't think that was the design. I think the players screwed it up at the same time that eventually ends up back on the coach. I, I think the big thing is, is if you look at 2019 and say what happened, I think what why was that defense better? I think you look directly at Jonathan Grenard. I think Grenard had the ability to get pressure against better teams. And if you look back at Jabari Zuniga and Ja'Kai Polite down in, in 2018, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. I know Zuniga got a bunch of sacks against LSU, but I'm not sure whether they were piling up sacks against Charleston Southern or those sorts of things or whether it was more, you know, whether, whether it was actually against elite teams. Last year, they didn't have anybody, I think, with more than like four or five sacks overall the entire year. So there was nobody who could get into the backfield. And so the minute that the pressure dissipated, yeah, the, the scheme seems to be able to be something that can be exploited by a quarterback who knows where to go with the ball when he's not pressured and can get it out accurately. And particularly last year, it felt like there wasn't a whole lot of aggression from the corners. But one of the reasons you lay back if you're a corner is you expect to get pressure, and they, they weren't able to get pressure last year. So, I mean, that's really what I think it boils down to in 2021 is if this defense is going to improve and improve significantly, it's going to have to start with a defensive line. It's going to have to start with getting pressure. It's going to have to start with a guy like Gravon Dexter really start to make the quarterback sweat by coming straight up the middle. Now, can he? Absolutely. But that's a that's a physical that that's a physical advantage with a five star recruit going up the middle, or some of these guys they brought in as transfers. You got to have a physical advantage to beat the guys up front. Florida hasn't beat anybody up front. Grantham's trying to beat them with scheme. You heard all you heard all the time in 2018 that they were trying to get guys who were multiple guys who could play multiple positions, sort of have guys who were tweeners, a guy who could move from safety to star, a guy who could move from star to corner. And at the time, we were like, hey, this can be, this could work out really really well. Or it could work out really, really poorly because it either means you, you know, it's one of those, you know, um, you're either going to be able to, to sort of bridge that gap or you're not going to have anybody who's any good at any of these positions. And, and I think especially when it comes up front, um, Grantham's defenses have just proven they need a guy who can get into the backfield, who can beat guys one-on-one. And that's going to have to be a guy like Brenton Cox. It's going to have to be a guy like Zach Carter. It's going to have to be a guy like Gervon Dexter. And if they don't have a guy who can step up and do that on a consistent basis, then they're going to continue to struggle. Will, I want to go to uh, our good friend, SEC StatCat. Uh, when I shared that we were doing this episode, he retweeted uh, that and put up a stat on Twitter today, kind of going to your point here. He said, while tackling and third down play hurt, failing to get takeaways was the bigger fault year over year versus SEC offenses in meaningful minutes. Went from third to 13th in the SEC in turnover rate despite maintaining a havoc plus improving pressure sack rate. So, you know, they were getting pressure uh, and and you know, the coaches love that havoc rating uh, and analysts love that havoc rating. You know, Florida still were Florida still was near top in the SEC and getting sacks and creating pressure. But for whatever reason, it did not translate to turnovers. And what, what, what I mean, what was it? Gervin Dexter, I think what in game one had an interception versus Ole Miss and was the only player for I think, what, three, ga- three or four games, I think, who had an interception for Florida, a defensive lineman. Playing his first ball game, had the only interception for 
a quarter of the season. <laughs> and, you know, so Florida was struggling in the turnover department too. And, and turnovers was something I know you brought up in your article as well and how that maybe translates to a little bit of luck, you know, for one score games and turnovers uh, there. So I think, you know, we're going to have to see multiple things improve on this defense to, to, to rebound and be what we want them to be in 21 2021, you know, this the sack and the havoc, it, it's been there. And that's always been a staple of a target defense. Pretty much no matter how bad they've been, they're going to create some sort of pressure. Now, is it enough? And most that's why I've always went to 2020 had to be better situational football. You needed the sacks versus Georgia. You needed the sacks versus LSU. You needed the sacks versus the better offenses that you were going to play in 2020. That's going to have to show up again in 2021 in SEC play. That's what we've got to look for. And but coming out of those pressure, coming out of that pressure, will going back to your article and going back to SEC stat cat here, turnovers are going to have to come from it. Yeah, I mean, so they had 0.8 interceptions per game in 2020 versus one in 2018. So it was actually closer than we imagined, especially when you consider the drought you just mentioned. The 2020 team forced one fumble per game compared to 1.1 1 .1 in 2018. So from the standpoint of opportunities for turnovers, they were pretty close. But the 2020 team only recovered 48% of the fumbles compared to 63%. Um, for a recovery rate in 2018. So what that says is that the 2018 defense got a little bit lucky, right? That the 2018 defense got lucky. Typically, fumbles get recovered at a 50-50 clip. Florida was able to get a few more turnovers, and because they were able to get a few more turnovers, they didn't give up as many points, even though the yardage they were giving up in SEC play was essentially equivalent to what we were seeing in uh, in 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 2020. Now, the other thing is, is that, you know, at Chris Lake 808 tweeted both of us afterwards and said fourth down conversions killed UF yeah. last year. You and I talked about this earlier in the year. We'd started calling him fourth in Grantham. So, you know, they were nine out of 23. So 36% in 2018, they were, they gave up 15 for 23. So 65% in 2020 and then three of 10. So 30% in 2019. And when you look at third and fourth down, they were 37% in 2018, 36% in 2019, 44% in, uh, in, in 2020. And so, you know, they're, they were giving up a bunch of conversions. They were giving up a bunch of yards. They weren't getting the same number of turnovers. And so it felt like the defense could never get off the field because the defense couldn't ever get off the field. But I think when we sort of look at that 2018 team, the reason it got off the field is not because they were consistently doing the things they needed to do in order to get off the field. It was because they got a little bit lucky and because they happened to have a lower conversion rate. Now, you might say, hey, that conversion rate is tied to – um, is is tied to their their you know Grantham making the right calls and things like that. But I guarantee if you go back and look at the Kentucky game and if you go back and look at the Georgia game in 2018, the teams that they played that that really the offenses took it to them. Um, those are games where they weren't able to get off the field. They weren't able to keep those conversions down. And it's the same old story, right? I mean, they, they the nickname third in Grantham has stuck with Grantham for a reason. And every time you look at the statistics against teams that are talent based better than Florida or at least have a quarterback who's able to pick the defense apart, the defense struggles. So, I mean, Hey, we got new players coming in. There and so go. there's no longer, can you say, Oh, it's these guys who don't have the level of talent that's necessary. There, there has been a definitive talent upgrade from Mullen or from McElwain to Mullen, both on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball. There's an experience gap, right? I mean, there are guys who haven't gotten a lot of experience on the defensive side of the ball, but these are now guys who've been in the program for a while. I mean, you know, Trevez Johnson has been out there. He's gotten his feet wet. He's been able to be out there. 
Kyrie Elam's been out there for a while. Zach Carter's been out there. Gravon Dexter got a bunch of playing time last year. You know, Brenton Cox has a whole season under his belt. There's really not an excuse anymore. You know, you can, you can think about the returning production on the defensive side of the ball maybe isn't the same amount coming back at some other programs. But from the standpoint of, like, where Grantham needs to see success, he's having those guys come back. The question is going to be, do we get five sacks from Brenton Cox or do we get 12? Right. And if we get 12 from Brenton Cox, then this defense is going to look a lot better. But if we get five from him, four and a half from Carter, two and a half from Dexter, you know, all of a sudden the same holes that we saw at linebacker and at safety are going to start to show up because if the defensive line isn't getting that sort of pressure, then we're going to have some issues. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I think, um, like I said, my, my intention was not to throw a wet blanket on everything, but looking at the, looking at the statistics, I'm sitting there going, you know, this is sort of one more, I think, Dan Mullen made the decision to bring back Grantham based on thinking that the improvement from 2017 to 2018 and 2018 to 2019 was offset and that 2020 was the outlier. And like you said, the, the, the crux of the article is, is that I'm not sure 2020 was the outlier, which means that, uh, you know, no, I don't know that we're, it's not going to be some long year where we don't get a respite and where we feel like the defense is constantly getting torched. But I think the worry that I have is in week three, we play a pretty good team. And then in October in Jacksonville, we play a pretty good team. And are those teams going to be able to take advantage of some of these things that are just consistent with Grantham's defenses? I don't think he's going to change. I think the question is going to be, does Florida have the talent level to be able to execute his scheme in a way that it's able to neutralize the opposing offenses. And thus far, they have not been able to show that they can do that against elite offenses in the SEC, right? I mean, Georgia last year, they got to play Stetson Bennett. Um, but when they played Joe Burrow, there weren't any stopping him in 2019 when he was playing well, and that's sort of been the story. Yeah, well, I mean, I think plenty of reasons to, to point to that you should you can feel better uh, about the defense. I think it starts up front, uh, as it always does, and – a lot more guys up there playing in their natural positions. you got two defensive tackles that will give Gervin Dexter a, a break. He doesn't have to be on the field a whole lot. We've talked about that. Zach Carter playing at edge a, little, a, a bit more, not have to be forced inside. Uh, Cox not having to play so much defensive end, can stand up in that buck outside linebacker position. A lot more guys up front playing in their natural positions. I mean, things to, to look forward to. And, and that's why I think going back to your point, Will, and bringing it up, I know Florida lost some pro- – "Quote unquote production on the defensive side of the ball," um, and but uh, going to your point, just like last year, I still think there's enough pieces on the defense to kind of point to, uh, and maybe who we're going to point the finger at. You know, is it talent? Is it coaching? I, to me, I, I'm still squarely. If the defense is defense isn't performing, I'm looking more at the coaches. I'm looking more at the coaching staff, not the players. I think I think Florida will be good enough up front. I, I, I like – I don't love what they have at linebacker until they prove me prove a little bit more there, but I like it. I, I think up front, I think there's a potential to love that. I, I, I like their depth. I like the, the defensive tackle potential. I mean, potential is a dangerous word, and that's kind of kind of where, we go, where we're going here. Uh, if you're expecting 2021 on the defensive side of the ball to be better, right now it's based on potential, and, and that can be scary – but I do like the potential up front. I like the potential for talent in the secondary. There's a lot of talent in the secondary besides Kyle Elam. We got to see that step up on a more consistent basis. It starts up front, and I, and I really think the front can make the make the seven guys behind them look a little bit better. Will well, I mean, so I, I think 
what we've we've spent this entire offseason talking about how Florida's best players are on the defensive side of the ball, at least in terms of guys who've proven something, right? I mean, guys like Kyrie Elam, Brenton Cox, Zach Carter, Mahmoud Diabate, like those are guys who have gone out there, have played and showed at least flashes of of high level skill. And the challenge for Grantham is that you got to get those flashes to be consistent, right? Now, you know, it would help if the defense lined up correctly. And it would help if on third down and six, we didn't have guys playing 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. So those sorts of things, I think absolutely you can lay at the coach's feet. And, you know, you might be able to say, hey, those were McIlwain guys. You might be able to say, hey, that's, uh, you know, we had COVID last year. You might be able to say a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, these are Grantham's recruits. These are Grantham schemes. These are transfers that have been brought in by Grantham to fill holes. And so this is Grantham's defense. And so if twenty one, if 2021 – Lo- the the thing I think I hope people take from the article is not like oh things are hopeless. I think what they ta- I hope what I hope they take from the article is that they don't see a team that is improved because they're playing USF and Samford and say oh the defense got considerably better. Look at the statistics they gave up you know way less points than they did last year. Like well that's not the best way to metric it right. The best way to metric it is to say we play the same SEC East teams every year. So let's look at how these guys did against the SEC in 18, 19, 20, and 21. And so at the end of the day, if they give up something like four and a half yards per play in the SEC next year, then you go, okay, Grantham did a really nice job. But if they give up four and a half yards per play overall for the season, you go, well, that's down from 5.7 in 2020. You must have done a great job. Yeah, well, he gave up 2.1 yards against Sanford and, and 1.9 yards against USF and then seven against Georgia and LSU. Like, okay, that, that's different, right? That's just So it's sort of when you're trying to metric or when you're trying to make a judgment as to whether Grantham has really improved things, there are ways to do that and ways that you want to be careful of. And I don't think just looking at the overall numbers in 2020 compared to 29 in 2021 compared to 2020 is the right way to do it because of the weirdness of the schedule last year and how it was all sec play yeah so i think the question that comes out of it will with people who read your article and everything that we've talked about here you know does it change your outlook (laughs) on the florida defense and you know i i don't know um as i said I, i this they're going to be better. I, I still think they'll be better. I, like I really like what they have up front, and I think um, you know, that, that in and of itself can it just be average in SEC play? And and what will the offense bring to the table to, to help them out? You know, would the offense be on the field more? Uh, the defense doesn't have to be on the field a, a whole lot. You're not scoring in two minutes and putting defense back on uh, on the field. We'll see. Uh, I, I think. Um, there's a whole lot of when you when you ask the question, does it change your outlook for the Florida defense? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't want to erase everything I've thought the last four or five months and and how much this defense can improve. But uh, those are scary statistics when you look at pure SEC play. What Florida is going to be known for? You know, it doesn't matter what you do versus FAU. It doesn't matter what you do versus USF. You know, as long as you don't lose those games, of course. But nobody's expecting that. It's going to be. What do you do versus week three versus Alabama? What do you do versus LSU? What do you do versus Georgia? I mean, look, a team like South Carolina has eaten up Todd Grantham's defense in the, the last few years, uh, going back to uh, 2018 and, and the comeback that Florida's offense had to have in that game, the, the rain game in Columbia a couple of years ago uh, as well, and South Carolina jumped off to a lead. I mean, it's, 
some some of us even pretty average offenses get the best uh, of Todd Grantham's defense. So, like I said, things are gonna have to change. I don't Todd Grantham can't bring just the, the same style of defense that he's brought he brought to the table uh, the last few years and expect uh, you know just uh, twenty twenty was just it is what it is and you can do what you did before that. I think things have to change uh, when you look at talent. Uh, that Florida has on this defense and and how you're going to apply that talent uh, to 2021 in, in, in the defense. So, Will, one more topic before we move on. Kind of move back a little bit, go back a day. The thought of the day yesterday, um, Phil still kind of popular out there. Uh, and him leaving Florida off out of his top 25. I had a whole episode about it yesterday. Uh, you guys can go listen to that, but I did want to get Will's thoughts on here too. I mean, Heather Dinich out there uh, on ESPN as well. Uh, she has a popular voice on ESPN. She's plugged into the college football playoff committee. Uh, even her, or even she came out and said that she does not have Florida ranked in her top 25 uh, there. So a, a college football ESPN voice. So but Florida's rankings are kind of all over the place lately. Will most, have Florida in the top 15. You know, let's not get ahead of ourselves there. Most people are giving Florida enough credit, Dan Mullen enough credit to have Florida, even though they've lost a lot, even though the question's on defense, a top 15 team in the country. But Phil's still one of the most, if not the most popular publication out there as far as preseason magazines go. Leaves Florida out of his top 25. Has Florida ranked 27. He's on the Steve Russell show in Gainesville on Monday. He has him on, of course, asking him the same questions of, why Florida is not ranked in the top 25. He gives his reasonings why, and then comes up and says, well, you know what? We're in a rush to get the magazine out, and it might have been an oversight not to have Florida in the top 25. What? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of people take your word as gospel. A lot of people look out there and, and put uh, a lot of faith in what you have out there, and then your article, your magazine's released, and two weeks later you're, you're on a radio station in Gainesville saying it might have been an oversight. I mean – Kind of worrisome there to me. Uh, Gator Twitter isn't going to let him get away with that sort of stuff, there, Dave. <laughs> uh, he, with the, I'm sure that there were the powers that be uh, let him know that he had missed Florida and probably uh, made things loud for him. But I, I guess so. There's a couple of things there. Is people I think see Alabama on the schedule and go, "Oh, the schedule must be really tough." But when I look at the schedule, right. I look at Florida Atlantic, South Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Sanford and Florida State. So that's five essentially guaranteed wins. If they lose to Florida State, we got real problems. But then you've got Missouri, South Carolina, and Kentucky that you can add to that. I, I don't see a way that the team loses to those three if they actually come to play. So you got eight games where you've already won. If this team goes eight and four, they're going to be on the bottom half of the top 25. And then you got Alabama, LSU, and Georgia as as the three that are left there and and so um you know i, I think at the end of the day obviously that's where things are going to hinge but I, I don't see a, a way that I mean, this is one of those seasons where the floor is pretty high because i mean we're not losing to samford dude <laughs> like, like like there's there's bye weeks built in before you have to go at, because you're playing samford before you have to go at missouri you've got alabama and then tennessee at home the next week after alabama so even if you have to lick your wounds at least you don't have to go on the road to knoxville this year going at kentucky but kentucky has lost an awful lot over the last couple of years and probably isn't going to be um i think they'll be tough but i don't think they'll necessarily be all that skilled um lsu coming off a year last year you know with all the title nine stuff that's swirling are 
are they going to be able to take a step forward or was that Burrow year just a flash in the pan and is Orgeron going to be able to get things back together? Georgia, I mean, by the time you get there, we're going to know whether JT Daniels is for real or not. Um, and then you got South Carolina, who's breaking in Shane Beamer in his first year. And granted, yeah, that's a that's a road game, but still, that's a game Florida should win. So, um, you know, the only games that Florida I think is going to be an underdog in is Georgia and Alabama. And I think maybe the LSU will be a pick'em. And if right. that's the case, I mean, that game's late enough in the season where you'll know enough about LSU. And if LSU is what they were last year, you know, Florida's what we think they can be. I think you're right. You know, you're you're saying. If LSU is what they are last year, no, don't get me wrong. Of course, Florida ended up losing that game, but still, if, if LSU is what they are close to were close to what they were last year, Florida's close to what they were last year. Maybe just a step back. You know, you, you can still see that game Florida being favored in that game. So, to your point, probably two games, uh, two games for sure, underdogs um, right now. But even if they lose those three, I mean, if they lose to Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, they're still nine and three. Mm-hmm. And that's still a top. 15 program in the sec i mean basically what you're doing then is saying okay this team is good enough to beat everybody other than the programs that are in the top 10 in the sec which is kind of where florida's been the last couple of years anyway um yeah I, I think it's hard for them to drop out of top 25 i think that's why Steele said it was an oversight because it was an oversight right florida's gonna end up in the top 25 unless the wheels fall off and that means injuries at the quarterback position that means the defense doesn't get any better um, that means you know florida state takes a step forward tennessee takes a step forward um south carolina takes a step forward or you know you've got that at lsu then a bye week then georgia neutral and then at south carolina that that's maybe a tough stretch you could envision a scenario where with injuries and poor play that could be something where the team goes zero and three but i think that's a pretty pretty uh um you know, I, I don't think that's something that's going to happen all that often. I think you could go zero and three in that stretch, but I think it's probably not not high on the probability list that they'd go zero and three in that area. So I, I think, um, you know, I don't think Florida's winning the national title this year. I've said repeatedly here on Gators Breakdown, I think it's kind of a rebuilding year in 2021. That you look at most programs when a new coach comes in, and year three is when the team takes a dip. Well, because of the ability of Kyle Trask to step up. And because of some of the transfers that Dan Mullen was able to bring in, that dip in year three wasn't as severe. And in fact, the team had a really nice year last year. Um, but that dip is going to come at some point because at some point you get a mass exodus of players, you lose experience, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe you struggle. You have a couple of struggles in close games and you're not able to pull them out and the record looks a little bit worse. But, I mean, again, I, I, I think you can be seven and five and still sneak into the top 25 in the SEC. So, uh, yeah, I think that was an oversight by, there by Steele. Yeah, and as I pointed out yesterday uh, in the YouTube chat, people, yeah, Florida lost to LSU last year. Yeah, that's kind of my point. You know, LSU, yeah, as bad as they were, and Florida's still not losing to teams less talented than them. Florida hasn't lost to Kentucky, hasn't lost to Missouri since year one of Dan Mullen. He, he's beaten those teams that he's supposed to beat if you want to look at talent, if you want to look at recruiting talent. Yes, of course, the LSU game last year stings. I don't care what talent they had. You don't lose that game last year with the way they were playing. and Basically, the talent they didn't have coming into that game because a lot of guys were sitting out. So, uh, But you, know, you, go, you, you had to go back to 2018 for Dan Mullen to, to find a team that he lost to that he shouldn't have lost to just based on talent. So you, know, you look at it that way. I think he's, he's gotten better in, in, in that regard. Now, you do take a step back. You take a step back. Well, a lot of people are perceiving a step back closer to those programs this year. But – 
as I said, you go back to 2018, that's the last time he's lost to a team he hadn't supposed to talent-wise. Yeah, well, again, I think you go back and look at last year, and I think Florida was relatively unlucky. I mean, the games they were supposed to win, they won by two touchdowns. I mean, games against you know Tennessee and Kentucky and Vanderbilt, even though the defense was still kind of like a sieve, they were able to still stay in those games or dominate those games, really. I mean, a win by two touchdowns is in the SEC is a significant win. So Ole Miss, South Carolina, Missouri, Georgia, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, those were all two touchdown wins. Now, obviously, you got the LSU loss, but that's a three-point loss. You've got the loss to Texas A&M, where I really feel like Florida was in control of that game and then happens to lose it at the end. Um, and, and then you got the loss. And then you got the loss to Alabama, right? And that that Alabama game is, um, I, I think, probably further apart than maybe the score indicates. But at the same time, uh, the timeouts there were a cause for, or at least why Florida wasn't able to make a last ditch effort at the end. So you went zero and three in one score games. That probably isn't going to happen again. You're you're going to at least go one and two. You'll probably go two and one if you got one score games again. And uh, you know if they can go two and one in those games, then then they're going to have a successful season. But it sort of depends on what you decide successful looks like. Right. I mean that 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 I think is the key. I mean the Gator standard is SEC championships first, and then playoff appearances second at this point. And I, I don't think they're going to meet that standard in 2021 unless Emory Jones is a revelation at quarterback or Anthony Richardson is a revelation at quarterback. I think at the end of the day, you're still looking at we're asking the question of can you compete with Alabama? Can you compete with Georgia when Georgia has JT Daniels at quarterback? And can you compete with LSU? Because let, let's be honest, Bolin is one and two against LSU at this point as well. And so against those three teams in the SEC that have recruited better than him, his record is not that great thus far. I think what two and five and so you know that's that's going to need to improve this year he's going to have to prove that he can beat those guys yeah georgia last year and um lsu in 2018 so yeah i mean gotta that's where it is you've got to beat the teams where of course you got to beat the teams that you're you're, you are actually out recruiting then you got to if uh the difference is you know development that a lot lot of people want to point to that that development has got to come into play uh, when you play the teams that recruit better than you according to the recruiting services their development definitely has to come into play uh to, to get those victories over alabama georgia lsu uh there so yeah we'll we'll that's uh that'll do it for this episode man but uh man yeah i didn't want to put a damn because look we, we've talked pretty good about the defense all off season um and then like i said your article comes out and points out some really like the revealing numbers, I think that really need to be pointed out uh, as far as SEC play goes, and what kind of expectation rebound that we can expect for the 2021 defense. Yeah, I didn't. You know, some, sometimes it, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you're being negative," and look, sometimes that just comes across. Uh, but I thought we've we've talked about the defense all off season and why we like some of the pieces and why we expect some type of rebound. But this is uh, another viewpoint of maybe why the rebound won't be so big. And you know, it's not necessarily being negative, but it's just a, it's just a, a different viewpoint uh, of why things may turn out the way you want them to or may not turn out the way you want them to. If you watch Todd Grantham's defense last year, I'm not sure how you come into this year all that positive <laughs> about, about the defense. I mean, I, I, I mean, you might come in hopeful, right? Mm-hmm. You might look and say some of the guys that they've lost are going to be addition by subtraction. I can understand how you can make those arguments, but I, until I see it on the field, I, I mean, it's one of those things where you're just like, uh, you know, fool me once, fool me three times at this point. And, 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 you know, we're going to need to see it. 
right? Because we did, we kept saying last year that, well, things are going to get better. Things are going to develop as the season goes on. These guys are going to get coached up. They're going to line up. They're going to do that sort of stuff. And it just got worse. And so, you know, the, the, the taste in everybody's mouth at the end of last year, I think is pretty bitter uh, based on watching the defense. And so, you know, that, that is Grantham's challenge, right? I mean, if he goes out and the team gives up 13 points against Alabama and Florida wins, you know, we're going to have a lot of people coming at us and sending us clips from this episode and all sorts of stuff. But at the same time, if he does that, I'll be the happiest guy in the world because Florida just gave up 13 points to Alabama. And Graham has proven me wrong. We can go back to past episodes too, where we've actually talked good about the defense as well. So. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I mean, I, what we're really doing here is is sort of splitting hairs. We're saying the Gator standard is championships. And that's what we're evaluating on. So you can't have a defense that gives up 30 points a game in SEC play, gives up almost six yards of play in SEC play, and expect to win the SEC. They got essentially the offense bailed them out and helped them win the SEC East last year. Had we had a Felipe Franks led offense, that team would have gone six and four or five and five last year. And the offense was able to bail them out. So the offense likely is not going to be able to bail them out this year. It's going to have to be hold its weight or at least it's going to have to be better than last year the question yeah well i think i lost you man <laughs> uh, well we're right here at the end of the episode anyway will will has oh there you are i don't know where hey, I i'm back there we go yeah i lost you about 30 seconds ago <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, everybody didn't want to hear me talk about the defense anymore anyway. So. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll clear it there um, with with uh, this episode. But, well, yeah, good work, man, uh, on that. Hopefully we revealed some stuff. And, you know, you, you, it'll, it'll probably uh, – if you if we go back and the defense is great, you can go back and laud Todd Grantham for a, a huge rebound and a huge turnaround just because of these numbers uh, that we've showed there. And um, – or, you know, go back and – Look at uh, some of the some of the players we talked about, and maybe why we can uh, expect expect some kind of rebound there. Will you guys, what you guys got coming up there at Read and Reaction the YouTube channel and on the site there uh, in, in article form? Yes, yeah, so we had a new stand up and holler went up yesterday, so we're talking. Actually, Nick is is starting to get into into soccer, so we compared the English soccer team for the Euro League to Georgia. And how uh, how there were poor coaching solutions or poor coaching situations as well as um, poor play on the field once they finally got to the uh, the big game. So that was kind of fun to to take soccer and compare it to, to Georgia, take a few shots, and then uh, Nick's Charlie Pell series is going to restart later this week. So that'll be going up there pretty soon. And then obviously the article you already mentioned. All right, all right. You can go to readreaction.com, find Will's work there. You can follow him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.